Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. I don't get up at four in the morning to pray, sometimes because I have insomnia. I don't spend hours on my knees praying for other people. When I do try to pray, I often get distracted. I have sort of the monkey mind. It's hard to focus. I don't consider myself a particularly eloquent prayer um, in church services or at a hospital bed or church potlucks, despite years of pastoral ministry. I just don't consider myself a great prayer. Um, It's not an easy spiritual discipline for me. And so today I come to you not as an expert on this topic by any means, but as a humble learner on the journey with you. So with that, Daniel's already mentioned we're, so we've uh, entered into the season of Lent. This is the first Sunday of the season of Lent. And as most of you know, uh, Christians around the world during the Lenten season typically give up something. They subtract something from their lives. Uh, Things like chocolate, usually my go-to because I'm addicted. Um, Caffeine, drink of choice. Maybe uh, social media has become popular in recent days. You you know, you name it. Uh, People subtract things from their lives in order to get rid of the distractions that are keeping them from drawing closer to God. So Lent's a time to, in fact, draw closer to God, um, to experience renewal in our spiritual life and to experience suffering in some small way as Jesus did on the cross. But Lent's not only a, a time to subtract something from our lives, but it's a great time to add something add a practice or habit or intention that will help draw us closer to God as well. And typically, uh, the thing, the practice, the habit, the intention that I add in my life during the season of Lent is a prayer practice, because I'm not that good at it. I don't consider myself a great prayer. Um, And so, for all of you who might be able to relate uh, to that. I, I hope I can encourage you to join me in this Lenten season in adding a specific practice of prayer uh, to your daily or weekly rhythm. So we're on this journey together, right? <laughs> um, now, backing up, so Pastor Andy kind of gave me a preview of what he'd be speaking about these last two weeks. The first week, he talked about the, the why of prayer, you know, what's the purpose of prayer, which... I think where he landed was it was for our formation, for us to be more like Jesus, to think, act, be more like Jesus for our formation. Um, And then last week, I think you talked about the what of prayer, sort of what exactly do our prayers accomplish? And um, I think Pastor Andy was gonna talk to you about our prayers are meant to bring about a greater expression of God's kingdom in our world in any given situation. And those prayers don't always kind of end up like we imagine them to be. And so working off that foundation of the why and the what of prayer, today we're gonna talk about the how of prayer. 
And let's go to Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 7, 7 to 11. He says this on the topic of prayer. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those of you who ask him? And so for me, the key phrase in that particular passage of scripture is, keep on. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on praying, even when it's hard. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on praying, even when you're not very good at it. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on praying, even when you wonder what in the world is God up to and when is he gonna respond? Unfortunately, we're not given a timetable here in this passage as to when or how God will answer our prayers. But we're given this promise. For everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Thanks be to God. So, keep on. (laughs) Keep on asking, seeking, knocking, praying. In other words, be faithful to the practice, the practice of prayer. And eventually in God's good timing and in God's good way, he will respond. Things will change. You, at the very least, will be changed if you're faithful to the practice, the practice of prayer. And so practice, I think it's a great word for us to use as we talk about how to pray. And two examples come immediately to mind. So we had all of our wonderful worship team up here. Uh, What a a great time of of song and and ministry to us. Um, And most of us probably couldn't pick up an instrument and right away be able to play beautiful music on it, right? I mean, uh, there may be a few exceptional folks among us, I don't know. Daniel, you may be the exception to the rule. Um, But for most of us, in order to play an instrument and play it well, so we've got a, a You know, we've got to learn the instrument, we've got to practice over time, and it's quite a while before we can, you know, play in any kind of form where it sounds good, all right? So the musicians that we go to see at, you know, um, a Red Rocks concert, and if you've been to a Red Rocks concert, I've only seen the venue, I haven't been able to go there, but um, a musical, a symphony, a Red Rocks concert, so that these musicians have spent years honing, perfecting the, their art and craft, and that's why, you know, they charge the big bucks, and we're willing to pay the big bucks to go and hear them and see them be 
because they've spent so many years of their life, again, practicing, practicing, practicing their art, their craft. Practice makes perfect for the musician. And then the second example that I want to bring to mind is the athlete, okay? Athletes of any stripe, if you're going to excel at a sport, it requires practice, right? And I especially want to consider the marathon runner. And um, my friends Rick and Deb, their son Colin, if you've met him or know him, he's a marathoner, an ultra-marathoner, right? He's crazy. He's... <laughs> He's a crazy guy, but he's going to, uh, God willing, um, run in the Boston Marathon coming up. I don't know if most of you knew that, but, but going back to the concept of uh, the marathon runner, most of us couldn't, you know, wake up today and decide, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow, and then, in fact, go out and do it, right? I mean, there may be a few exceptions among us, maybe a Colin Edwards, um, but for most of us, if we're going to run a marathon, we've got to kind of, you know, start months in advance, right? We've got to train. We've got to eat well. We've got to get our sleep. Um, we've got to train for it. And it requires lots and lots of running, right? Um, so if you want to run a marathon well, you've got to train for it. And of course, this is true across the board for any sport. If you want to excel at it, you've got to train, you've got to practice, because practice makes perfect when you're an athlete. Practice makes perfect whether you're playing an instrument, whether it's a sport, any kind of spiritual discipline, really, and especially with prayer. The Apostle Paul wrote about the spiritual life in terms of a, of a race in a couple of different passages, and I'd just like to read them to you today. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, this is what he writes. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it to receive an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, but I punish my body. Some harsh words here. I enslave it so that after proclaiming to others the good news, I myself may not be disqualified. And then later in our New Testament, 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, Paul writes, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Familiar words, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. So I think maybe the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us here that the spiritual life is not unlike running a marathon. It requires self-control, discipline, long-term commitment. It requires time, training, practice. So again, if you don't consider yourself a great prayer like me, it's okay. <laughs> Relax. 
And simply my advice to you is keep on. Keep on asking, seeking, knocking. Keep on praying. Be faithful to the practice because practice makes perfect. The great Quaker spiritual writer Richard Foster offers some helpful words in his Christian classic, Celebration of Discipline. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. He writes this about prayer. We should remember that God always meets us where we are and slowly moves us along into deeper things. Real prayer is something we learn. Real prayer takes time. So again, if you don't consider yourself a great prayer, relax, it's okay. Give yourself some grace. Start where you are and try to remember that the spiritual life is much more like a marathon than a sprint. Foster goes on to remind us that at its core, prayer is simply a conversation with God. Much like we'd have with our spouse or a good friend or a loving and compassionate parent. And so, as we think about prayer in that kind of conversational framework, our prayers don't have to be fancy. They don't have to be stained glass prayers. They don't have to be regal or formal. Conversational. God longs for you and for me to come to him just as we are. Flawed, (laughs) broken, skeptical, cynical, angry, hurt, sad, depressed. If you go to the Psalms, you're going to find a wide range of emotions there. This is prayer book, the Hebrew prayer book, the Psalms. There are lots of raw and honest prayers, laments that we find throughout the Psalms. And our prayers can be that too, those kinds of prayers, raw, honest, angry, sad God wants us to come to him just as we are, with no pretense. At its core, prayer is simply conversation with our loving and compassionate God. So, with that as our foundation, I want to segue to uh, another writer, Anne Lamott. Um, Are any of you familiar with Anne Lamott, the writer? Um, She became a Christian later in life, and she writes in a rather, uh, let's say, irreverent and salty way. Um, So she's not exactly everyone's cup of tea, so uh, let me just, uh, you know, preface my comments with that. However, I did want to mention one of her books that I think can help us with a framework as we talk more about how to pray in a simple, conversational way. And... um, in a way that we can envision how how prayer can become a regular practice for us. So the title of the book is Help, Thanks, Wow. The Three Essential Prayers. Doesn't get more basic than that, right? That's it. Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers. So if we go back to the example of, you know, musicians, athletes, most great musicians, they've got to start somewhere. They've got to start with the basics, right? They've got to learn how to read music. They've got to master the, the scales, at least find middle C on the piano somewhere. Um, and then for athletes, it's the same thing, especially, I think, the, you know, the marathon runner. Um, 
you're not going to be able to run 26 miles well um, or even finish a marathon if you've only been running two. So you've got to work up to it over time. You have to start small and you have to start simple. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to start with help, thanks, wow. So first, the prayer of help. <laughs> this is what we'd typically call in the church with our stained glass words, prayers of petition or supplication, if you will. But essentially, these are just the needs that we cry out for God to meet, for ourselves, for others. Prayers like, Lord, help. My dad has cancer. Lord, help. I don't know where I'm going to get the money to pay for that. Lord, help my friend whose husband is abusing them. Or even, Lord, help, my cat is sick. Or, Lord, help me to have a good day at work today. Lord, help me to get a good night's sleep. Lord, help me pass that exam. These help kind of prayers come pretty naturally to us. And it's a good thing. It's not a complicated prayer, and we don't want our prayers to be complicated. Instead, we want to view this as a conversation between us and our loving Heavenly Father. View it like a relationship between a parent and a child. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 7, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? No. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those of you who ask him? So again, let's not make prayer too complicated. Let's view it like a relationship between a parent and a child, this intimate kind of relationship that makes room for help requests of all kind, serious, not so serious, a help prayer that can span the gamut from terminal illness to a sick cat. And I would say, let's pray those help prayers. Keep on praying them, asking, seeking, knocking. Whatever that prayer may be, whatever that help prayer might be for you, God cares about every detail of your life. So pray those silly prayers. <laughs> it's okay. Pray the serious prayers. God cares about it all. Just keep in mind that not every request might be answered in the way that you had hoped. As Andy reminded you last week, not every request will bring about a greater expression of the kingdom of God. But I think these prayers of help are ones we should per persist with asking. They're important and necessary that we pray them because they invite us most of all, to draw closer to God and knit a relationship of trust and love with our gracious Heavenly Father. And one more thing I would mention about the prayer of help. Uh, going back to Richard Foster in Celebration of Discipline, he suggests that we pray for those things that we're especially passionate about, those things that break our hearts. He writes, the inner sense of compassion is one of the clearest indications from the Lord that this is a prayer project for you. So if you feel like you're a beginner in your prayer life, you don't know where to start, especially with your help prayers, go for that thing that really makes your heart race or your pulse quicken or even that thing that makes you angry. 
an injustice, a wrong. Start there with your help prayers because all of those things are typically a sign that this is a prayer project for you. So the prayer of help. I've been offering a lot of those in the last week. The next essential prayer Anne Lamott includes in her book is the prayer of thanks. Pretty self-explanatory, right? (laughs) But a prayer that doesn't come as naturally to us as the prayer of help. (laughs) I know that for me, I tend to focus on the negative. I tend to be a, oh, the glass is half empty versus the glass is half full kind of person. I tend to focus on the one comment or criticism that someone gave me throughout the day, despite all of the other maybe affirmations or compliments that I've received. I tend to just zero in on that one negative thing. Can you relate? Anybody else? Can I get a witness? (laughs) In her wonderful resource book, The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Practices That Transform Us, Adele Albert Calhoun writes about this prayer of thanks in terms of the discipline of gratitude. And she describes it like this. Thankfulness is a thread that can bind together all the patchwork squares of our lives. The difficult times, the happy days, seasons of sickness, hours of bliss, all can be sewn together into something lovely with that thread of thankfulness. She goes on to say, Thanksgiving is possible not because everything goes perfectly, but because God is present. It is a discipline to choose to stitch our days together with a thread of gratitude. This isn't an easy prayer to pray. But the decision to do so is guaranteed to stitch us closer to God. I've definitely found this to be true in my own life. In the last few years, I've taken to including regular prayers of gratitude in my journal that I keep. I try to start there. I try to remember and recount the blessings that I've received from God and others in any given day whether it was a kind or affirming word from a friend or coworker, the money to pay that bill that was hanging over my head, or a warm and sunny day, the gift of a warm and sunny day, which allowed me to get out and take a walk in the middle of winter in Kansas. That, my friends, is a true gift. Gratitude always helps me to put things into perspective and keeps my heart and spirit tender. I commend the practice to you as well. The final essential prayer that Anne Lamott writes about is the prayer of wow. And she describes it like this. The prayer of wow is often offered with a gasp, a sharp intake of breath, when we can't think of another way to capture the sight of shocking beauty or destruction, of a sudden unbidden insight or an unexpected flash of grace, 
Wow means we are not dulled to wonder. We click into being fully present when we're stunned into that gasp by the sight of a birth or images of the World Trade Center towers falling. Wow is about having one's mind blown by the mesmerizing or the miraculous. So you can tell from that quote that Anne Lamott wants to take this prayer in a couple of different directions. And maybe tone of voice can help as we think through this. So for example, if I say to you, wow, (laughs) what kind of emotion am I conveying to you? Where might I be situated? What might be my context when I say to you, wow, wow, wow. Maybe standing in the middle of Rocky Mountain National Park. You guys are so fortunate. Maybe standing at the edge of Grand Canyon. Or maybe, as Anne Lamott mentions, sitting in awe at the birth of a child. (laughs) Wow conveys wonder. Wow conveys joy. Wow conveys amazement at things that we just fully, we can't fully grasp, we can't get our arms around, like the miracle of a birth or the grandeur of Rocky Mountain National Park. The prayer of wow conveys wonder and amazement and reverence and awe. Reverence and awe for the God who created all of these things and who makes wonder possible. At its heart, at its core, the prayer of wow is the prayer of praise. Yeah? It's the prayer of praise. A recognition of who God is, creator, redeemer, our rock, our rescuer, our comforter, our healer, our savior, our shepherd, our friend, you name it. I prayed the prayer of of wow this past week. Um, My friend Judy had had a massive heart attack. She was in ICU. They didn't think she was gonna pull through. It was touch and go there for many, uh, many days. I called her daughter last Thursday. She'd only been in the hospital for about a week and a half at that point. They were going to take her to a step-down unit and then rehab. It was going to be a long journey back to health. I called Pam, and she said, Mom's home. She's sleeping on the couch. Wow. <laughs> what a miracle that was. Totally unexpected. A few, a few weeks before that, I had the opportunity to gather in a retreat setting in Southern California with uh, several young clergy that I, I mentor. We were at this retreat center. Every day I'd walk out, <clears throat> incredible blue sky. The sun would be out, temperatures heading towards 70 degrees. The bougainvillea and other flowers in full bloom. Every day I'd walk out there in that, re- that retreat uh, kind of courtyard with all of those flowers in bloom and just say, Wow, what a gift in the middle of winter to be here in 70 degrees with the sun shining. Don't mean to make you feel bad, guys, sorry. (laughs) When have you prayed the prayer of wow recently? I hope you have.
But of course, as the quote that I read to you early, earlier indicates, um, there's another side to this prayer. And again, tone of voice may help. If I were to say to you, wow, what kind of emotion am I conveying to you now? Where might I be situated? What might my context be if I were to say, if you were to hear me say or see me say, wow. Maybe at the deathbed of a loved one. Maybe at the news report of another mass shooting in our country. This week it was Milwaukee. Maybe at a news report about the coronavirus, um, or the wildfires or flooding that's just devastated Australia. This could go on. Wow. Wow. This prayer also conveys wonder, in a sense, amazement. Something we just can't get our arms around, we can't fully grasp. But it's the other side of the coin, right? Natural disasters, senseless violence, sickness, death. And this type of wow prayer, Anne Lamott describes this way. She said, when, when we are stunned to the place beyond words, we're finally starting to get somewhere. It's so much more comfortable to think that we know what it all means, what to expect and how it all hangs together. When we are stunned to a place beyond words, when an aspect of life takes us away from being able to chip away at something until it's down to a manageable size, when all we can say in response is, wow, this too is a prayer. Unfortunately, friends, all of us will find ourselves praying this kind of prayer at some point in our lives. If we haven't already, if you're not praying it right now. Rick and Deb know my wow story very well. I was serving at my first church. I'd served there as interim, as associate, finally as co-pastor. I'd served there over a decade. It had been a joy to serve these people, this parish, they were my family. But when my co-pastor colleague resigned his post and there was no provision for succession in our church polity at the time for co-pastor structure, there was no succession um, component to our polity. I, well, the board didn't send my name onto the larger congregation for a vote. And I was devastated. I left. It felt like a divorce. It felt like a death. So I sold my home. I moved back home with my parents at 40. And I was unemployed. And for about six months, 
all I could pray was, wow. All I could pray was really the Psalms and the prayers of others because I had no words. At that time, I was especially thankful for the works of a woman by the name of Phyllis Tickle. Funny name. Funny name. But she was a godsend to me at that time. She's compiled uh, prayers from the Psalms, uh, other scripture, from church tradition, into prayer books that span the entirety of the church year and that provide a rhythm and structure for praying at specific times throughout the day. It's called fixed hour prayer. And this was my lifeline during that dark time for me. It really helped me in that journey so many years ago. And I commend this practice to you uh, today, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in our prayer lab after lunch, so I hope most of you can stick around and join us for that. But allow me to to end here with a couple of scriptures as we think about the practice of prayer and especially about this final prayer, this final wow prayer. First, a word of hope from Romans chapter 8. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, with eager hope, (laughs) the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Against its will, all creation had been subject to God's curse. And all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too Wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently, unfortunately. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, thanks be to God. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Thanks be to God.
Unfortunately, friends, there are sure to be wow moments in all of our lives. Moments when God will seem very far away. Moments when we simply do not like, do not like, we do not feel like praying. Even though we know the, the why and the what and the how. <laughs> I don't know, you might be in that place right now. If so, I want to say it's okay. <laughs> Relax. Give yourself some grace. And remember that the spiritual life is much more like a marathon than a sprint. Some of you might be familiar with the phrase hitting the wall. Yeah. Hitting the wall. It's a common phrase and phenomenon among marathon runners. Um, it's at that point in the race where you want to give up. <laughs> that point in the race where your body and your mind are fatigued beyond the breaking point and how mar marathoners handle that wall experience it makes or breaks the race for them it determines whether they're going to finish the race and if they're going to finish it well the same is true for our spiritual lives Paul refers to exactly these kinds of moments in that passage that I just read to you and for the marathoner, as well as the Christian, at these critical times, practice will make all the difference when we hit the wall, which we inevitably will. If we have been faithful to the practice of praying, if we have kept on asking and seeking and knocking and praying, we will get through the wall. And thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit will be our companion and comforter and helper and guide all along the way. And he will be the one to offer prayers for us when we have no words and all we can say is, wow. So, one more word of hope from Hebrews chapter 12. This passage reminds us of Jesus' journey to the cross, but more importantly, his resurrection. During the season of Lent, we remember Christ's suffering, but we also look with hope towards what lies at the end of the journey, amen? The wow, wow, wow of resurrection. Thanks be to God. Therefore, friends, at Emmaus Road Church, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he's taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God, thanks be to God. Consider him who endured all of this, such hostility, such suffering, so that you may not grow weary or ever lose heart. <laughs>